Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Uh, today, we've been talking about divine healing, and we've talk, been talking about the covenant of healing. Today, we're going to share about the woman with the issue of blood in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34, and we're really going to be talking about principles of faith, how you can receive any promise from God. Do you know anybody anywhere can receive any promise from God if they understand specific principles of faith. So as we've been teaching about uh, the covenant of healing, we began in Matthew 15, verse 26, where Jesus told the Syrophoenician woman, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, that's right, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know, faith won't give up. Amen? The dogs eat the crumbs. She was saying, Lord, one crumb of your power heal my sick daughter. And Jesus said, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you have believed. And her daughter was healed in the same hour. Amen? So healing is the children's bread. Healing is a covenant right of believers. You have just as much right to be healed in your body as you do as a believer to be forgiven for your sins. Because Jesus paid for your healing and your forgiveness at the same time. The second week we use Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through verse 45, where a leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know that you can heal me. I know that you have the ability. I know that you have the power, if you will. And Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed. And he touched him and the man was made whole. So the second lesson we taught that faith begins where the will of God is known. And there's four ways from the scripture. You know, people believe what they believe no matter what the Bible says. It's amazing how many people in church just believe what they believe and doesn't care. <laughs> it's just crazy. But we need to get our doctrine from the scriptures. We need to go with what the Bible says. I was talking to a man at the gym today that goes to a different church early this morning. <laughs> And I just recently met him. He said, well, I'm not much on the scripture. I'm not much on the Bible. My wife's into that. I said, well, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the person of God, the man of God, woman of God, may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we need to get what we believe from the scripture. We're going to talk about this woman. She heard of Jesus, and when she heard, she came. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by declaration, if you study it out in the Greek, in declaration by the mouth of God. Faith comes when people declare who God said that he is. So there's four scriptural reasons that you can know that healing is the will of God. Number one, because it's God's nature. In Exodus 15, verse 26, the Lord said, I am the Lord who heals you. My name is Jehovah Rapha. Hallelujah. He, he is Jehovah Rapha. Then Malachi, the Old Testament, it's a progressive revelation of who God said that he is. There's seven redemptive names of God. Then in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. So he's not changing from who that he said that he is. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's the same. He doesn't change. 
We have the unchangeable word of an unchangeable God. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that. So God said, this is who I am and I don't change. The second reason, number one, it's God's nature. Number two, it's his promise. The promises of God come out of the nature of God. So, for instance, in Psalm 103, verse 3, he says, I forgive all of your iniquities, all of your sins, and I heal all of your diseases. And the word for heal, then, is the same Hebrew word, repha, right? So it's, number one, the nature of God. Number two, the promise of God. There are many promises for divine healing in the Scriptures. The third aspect we can know from the life of Jesus. Fourteen times it says throughout the Gospels and then in the book of Acts that they brought unto him all who were sick of all kinds of diseases and he healed them every one of every kind of disease. See, John 1.18 says, No man has seen God at any time but the only begotten Son who comes from the bosom of the Father he has revealed him. He has openly made him known. So, number one, because this is who God said he is, it's his nature. Number two, because this is what he promised. Number three, because of what Jesus did when he walked on the earth. If you want to know the will of God, the best will of God, look at Jesus. And number four, you can know the will of God because of what Jesus provided in his death. It was provided in the atonement. Isaiah looked forward to Christ's coming and said in Isaiah 53, 5, about six to 700 years before Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So the word for healed there again is the Hebrew word repha. I am Jehovah repha, right? I heal you, that's my promise, that's his nature, that's his promise, and this is what Jesus provides. If there's any question about Isaiah, what he was saying in Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17, as Jesus was healing the sick, Matthew said, this, is, this was written so that you might understand that himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So Matthew looked at Jesus healing the sick and said, this is what Isaiah prophesied about. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter looks back on the cross and Peter says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He looks back, it's past tense, it's in the finish because it was accomplished. So four reasons we can know the will of God. It's the nature of God, the promise of God, right? The life of Jesus, and it is provided in the atonement, right? So that was the second lesson. The third lesson that we taught last week is healing is a covenant right, again, of believers. And we taught from Luke 13, verse 10 through verse uh, 16 or 17, where the, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And Jesus spoke to her and laid hands on her and healed her. It was on the Sabbath day. The religious people got upset. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 16, don't you, he said, you're hypocrites, really, speaking to religion. He said, don't you take your donkey and your cow and lead them away to water on the Sabbath? And should not this woman, who was a daughter of Abraham, be healed of this plague on the Sabbath day? Hallelujah. So again, it's a covenant. This woman is a daughter of Abraham. If you study Galatians chapter 3, you find out that we are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus. 
I think it's Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, to Abraham and his seed, not plural seeds, his seed were the promises made. Speaking of the seed singular, Jesus. And so we're the seed of Abraham by faith in Jesus. These promises are for everybody who believes. Today we're going to talk about principles of faith from Mark chapter 5, and this is also in Matthew's gospel and in uh, Luke's gospel. But Mark chapter 5, this woman with the issue of blood. And if you understand these principles of faith, any believer can receive any, from anywhere, can receive any promise of God if you begin to understand these principles of faith. Amen? So let's start in verse 25, and we'll read through verse 34, Mark chapter 5. A certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. So she was doing her best to be healed. She spent all that she had, and, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press or the crowd behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole, I shall be well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. So she had been bleeding for 12 years. She's very sick. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he felt the goodness of God flow out of him. He felt the power of God flow out of him. So he, he felt that, he immediately knowing it, said, who touched me? And he looked around to see who her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has freed you. Go in peace and be whole of this play. Now, the first thing that happened was she heard of Jesus. Now, this is not really something that she did, right? This is something that somebody else did. Somebody shared the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If people are going to receive healing, somebody's got to share the word. Somebody, if people are going to be saved, if you study that scripture out in Romans chapter 10, somebody has to preach the gospel, right? Somebody has to share the good news. It says before that, whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on of whom they've not heard? How shall they hear if somebody doesn't preach? How shall they preach if, if somebody's not sent? As Isaiah said, how beautiful are on the mountains are the uh, feet of those who preach the good news, who, of good tidings, of good things. <laughs> We're bringing good news of good things. Plural. But not, he said, not all have obeyed the gospel. Why? Because believing the gospel is obeying the gospel when you understand it. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Jesus is really the arm of God. But if you want to see Jesus manifested and revealed in your life, you've got to believe the good message. You've got to believe the gospel. 
You got to believe what the scripture said. So somebody shared the gospel. Now, what was her response? What is the response of faith? Well, the first thing is when she heard about it, she began to say something. And if you're really a person of faith, when you hear the gospel, when you really believe the gospel, it's going to cause you to say some things. It says right here in verse 28 that she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. I shall be well. I shall be healed. If I could just touch him. Matthew 9 records the same instance, and it says she said within herself, she got a picture on the inside, and she said on the inside, it's something. She wasn't just reciting this in her mind. This was something she believed in and began, began to come out of her spirit. In the Amplified in Matthew 9, 21, it says she said and kept on saying. You know, when you really believe the gospel, it'll cause you to say some things, and it will cause you not only to say some things, it'll cause you to keep on saying some things. Judy's sitting here in the fourth row, and she's nodding her head up and down. You know, over a year ago, I went to the hospital to visit Judy, and the doctors had given her less than a month to live. She was all gray, and she, her stomach was all blown up, is all filled up with cancer. They said, there's nothing that we could do. And I began to tell her, well, you know, I told her about Dodie Osteen and how Dodie was dying of cancer. And John picked her up from the hospital and carried her home. The doctor said there wasn't any more that they could do. And he spoke the word of God over her and how God raised her. She already had Dodie's book. She was already speaking the word. So when I prayed for her, she was already in agreement with me. And so a year, over a year ago, praise God, or about a year ago right now, just about a year ago, they told her, you don't have a month to live in a little bit. Praise God, her color came back, her stomach went down. She didn't receive any treatment. They said there's nothing. They said, well, we could do chemo. We could try to cut it out, but it won't do nothing. It's too far now. Now she's dancing and worshiping God, healed and whole and well and strong. The word is working in her life. I had a lady tell me after first service, you prayed for me a while back. I think Barbara gave a word about somebody needing heal with their thyroid. And I, I prayed. She said, you prayed for my thyroid. And I want to tell you today, it's healed. Praise God. And we constantly hear testimonies of healing of different things. Praise God. You know, it's so good. But when you, when you really believe the gospel, it will cause you to begin to say some things. <laughs> you, you can't help. So the first thing is she did is she said, your words are really evidence of your faith. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, verse 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you meditate on affects what you believe, and what you believe will affect what you speak. Jesus went on and said this in Matthew 9, verse 37, by your words, you shall be justified, and by your words, you shall be condemned. So whether you're justified or condemned, it's by your words. It's what do you, it's not what somebody else believes about you. It's not what somebody else says about you that matters. 
What matters is what God said about you and what Christ says about you, what the, what the Word of God says about you and what you say about you. In fact, I've had some people who I really respect, who I think a lot of, who've said some very negative things about me in the past. And I thought, well, they don't know the change that has taken place in my mind. They don't know the change that's taken place in the way I think, and they will, they will see because there's been a change that took place. See, not only has a change take place in your spirit when you believe on Jesus, but a change needs to uh, take place in your mind, in your soul, in the way that you think. And I, they don't know this, but they will see because there's been a change. And now those same people say the complete opposite things about me than they used to say. Why? Because now it's evident what I was believing. It's evident by what I'm seeing because those things, see, when you believe in your heart, you will speak with your mouth. You can't, so, you know, it didn't matter. And, and I've also, I've, listen, I've had some of my enemies and I don't care what my enemies say about me, but I've had some of my enemies say some very negative things about you. You say you have enemies. Well, if you do much for God, you're going to have a few enemies. Listen, because you're, if you don't run into the devil once in a while, you're probably going the same way. But I don't really care what they say about me because it really doesn't matter what they say about me. What matters is what God says about me, what Christ says about me, what the Word of God says about me, and what I say about me. Another person's head is the wrong place to have your happiness. So just don't even worry about it at all. Because it really doesn't even matter. What matters is what you believe and what you see. You agree with God and Christ in the word and you'll begin to see different things. So she said within ourselves and she kept on saying, if I but touch him, I shall be well. So the first thing was what she said. You see, this is how faith works. When you understand the principles of faith, you're going to say some things. Jesus said, by your words, you're justified. And by, not by somebody else's, by your words, you're justified. And by your words, you're condemned. Romans 10 says this in verse 8. And if you go back and read verse 6 through verse 10, it's a, it's a culmination of everything Paul has said in Romans up to that point. And in Romans 1, he said, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile, for therein in the gospel the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith as it's written, according as it's written, the just shall live by faith. So Romans is talking about righteousness, right standing with God by faith in Jesus. And in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he, and he's really laying it out. I love the book of Romans, my favorite book of the Bible. But in Romans 10, Paul's talking about the plan of God for Jews and Gentiles, righteousness by faith in Jesus. And he's talking about it's not by works in Romans 10, verse 4. Christ is the end of works. He's the end of performance for righteousness to everyone who believes and what he's really saying in verse six and seven he said we don't have to say who's going to go up into heaven to bring God down and we don't have to say who's going to go down into the grave to bring him up what what he's really saying is that Jesus already came from heaven 
and he lived holy, perfect, and pure and died on the cross for our sin and went to the grave and conquered the devil and rose from the dead. So we don't have to get him down and we don't have to pray him up. He's already done the work. And he put the ball in your court. That's what I'm talking about. The grace of God, what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus is the grace of God. Put the ball in your court. He says in verse 8, now the word is near you even in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. So don't criticize people for preaching the word of faith. Paul preached the word of faith. The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith that we preach that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. See, what he's saying is right standing with God was already made available when Jesus died and rose again. And now when you hear the gospel and believe it, you begin to say some things. The words near you in your heart, in your mouth, that's the word of faith that we preach that if you will confess with your mouth, it's not what somebody else confesses with their mouth, it's what you confess with your mouth. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. You believed out of sin, you believed into righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, just like you receive salvation or righteousness by faith in Jesus, you receive healing. In fact, one of the names of the Lord, the name wherewith he shall be called in Jeremiah 23, verse 6, is the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sid Canoe. Then in Jeremiah 33, verse 16, the name wherewith she shall be called, it's speaking about the church, shall be the Lord our righteousness. His righteousness is ascribed to us when we believe on Jesus. And that's, that's a principle of faith. That's how you get saved. It's how you get healed. It, you get blessed that way. You start saying what God says. The Lord is my provider. Amen. Start saying the Lord is my provider. I'm blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Start saying what God says about you. And then you'll, that's what Jesus did in his life. And again, then, then that's what's in you, in Christ. Philippians 4, verse 19. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, start saying what God says about you. See, Proverbs says this in chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So this is just how faith works. Amen. In fact, Jesus said this way when his disciples questioned him about how things were happening in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. He said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the, heart, in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, what are you saying? Shall come to pass. Shall have whatsoever. 
He says it'll work for anybody, anywhere, on any promise of God. This is how faith works. Therefore, I say unto you in verse 24, whatever you desire when you pray, what things, what do you want? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This isn't dependent on anybody except my own personal faith, my own personal relationship with Jesus. So I can't blame anybody. In fact, Romans chapter 3, I believe it's verse 4, says, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Nope. They can't stop my faith from working. Amen? So I'm going to keep believing. Don't criticize me. It's working good. I started believing this 45 years ago or 46, long time ago. Man, 46 years I've been believing. 46 years since I got filled with the Holy Ghost. 46 years I believe that God is a good God. 46 years I believe that God wanted to forgive my sin and heal my body. God wanted to prosper me and help me in every area and free me. 46 years I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. 46 years I've been talking about the goodness of God. 46 years and it's working better than it's ever worked before and I'm not going to quit believing now. So I'm going to say some things. When I came to town 23 years ago, I had a little banker sit across the desk and tell me that I couldn't even afford to buy a lot in this in District 12, let alone a house. And I said some things. I turned beet red. Barbara said, I kind of sat at my chair a little bit, and I said, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't be here because she wasn't determined my destiny and my 1040s weren't determined my destiny. Jesus Christ is determining my destiny and the word of God is determining my destiny and what I believe is determining my destiny. Barbara said, I embarrassed her. I wasn't trying to embarrass my wife. Not at all. That what I was believing was not what she was saying. So once in a while, you got to say some things. Because it just comes out. You know, I didn't premeditate it. I, I did premeditate the word. And I didn't care what she said because it didn't matter. It wasn't mattered what God said. And God had already spoken to me. And I'd already had a prophet of God speak to me. I already had my ma one of my major mentors speak to me, so I didn't care what she said at all. And you know I had to go to six different banks before I found a bank that would give me a loan with 50% down. Hallelujah. And now i got a lot of banks that would like my business. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm believing some things and it's causing me to say some things. You see, you can't help but say some things when you believe them at a heart level. You can't help but speak. See, James says this in James chapter 3. James is a great book on faith. The wisdom of faith chapter 1. The action of faith chapter 2. The words of faith chapter 3. The humility of faith chapter 4. And the patience of faith chapter 5. But in James chapter 3, he's talking about the power of our words. In James chapter 3 and verse 6 says that our words are like a spark that's set on fire 
the course of nature. When you believe at a heart level, you're going to say something and your words can change the very course of nature. <laughs> Hallelujah! So she said, the se second thing was she did, notice this in Mark chapter 5 and verse 27. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press. There's, there, these people are thronging Jesus. When Jesus says, who touched me? When you read this in all the gospels, his disciples say, Lord, what are you saying? Who touched you? You got a multitude thronging in you and you say, who touched me? She came in the press behind, and she just touched. She had been bleeding, hemorrhaging for 12 years. She was very, very sick. More than likely, she's crawling in the dirt, just saying, I got to touch him. I got to touch him. If I could just 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 touch him. She came, and she, she pressed through, and, and she touched him. And when she touched him, the power of God flowed into her. She did something. If you really have faith, you're not only going to say something, you're going to do some things, and you're going to keep doing some things. Faith without corresponding action is dead. James chapter 2, verse 17, verse 20, verse 26. All say faith without corresponding action. Faith has to have action. You have to put Right? A boat that is not moving is dead in the water. But if you just get a boat moving a little bit, the slightest turn of the rudder can turn that whole boat around. Amen. You can't steer a parked car. But you get moving. You start acting like the Word of God is true. You start acting like what God said about you is true. You start acting like you're blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. You start acting like you're healed. Get out of bed. Why? Because people die in bed. Yeah. Lester Summerall said that. Amen. If you want to get well, get up. I got a doctor at my gym. He's 93 or 94 years old. Man, he was there this morning. I got there about 5 o'clock, and he got there probably at 4.30. The gym door unlocks at 4.45. And he rides five miles every morning on a bike, and then he lifts nine stations of weight. He, then he comes back at noon or 1 o'clock and does it again. He said, well, I found out my body was tightening up in the evening, so I come twice a day. Then I feel good all day long. Hallelujah. He looks like he's 10 years younger. He's sharp in his mind, but he's moving. Praise God. Hallelujah. He, he's working. Praise God. I love him. He's a great man. He loves God. Goes to a different church than this, but I love him. Jesus loves him. Amen. Praise the Lord. She, she did something with what she believed. Let's go to James chapter 2. Let's read verse 17 in James chapter 2. He's talking about the action of faith through verse 26. He says, even so, faith, if it has not works or corresponding action, it is dead being alone. You may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You are doing well. The devils also believe. Listen, the devils know there's a God, and they tremble. But will you know, O vain man, 
It's vanity for you to say that you have faith and not have corresponding action. Faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Abraham was justified by work. I thought Abraham was justified by faith. That's what Romans 4 says. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.9 says, therefore, being justified by his blood. When you put faith in the work of Christ, you're justified. You're just like you never sinned. But this is Abraham was justified by his works. What he's saying, he's not talking about the root. He's talking about the fruit. And if you really have faith, you're going to have corresponding action. You can't say you believe something and not do something about it. If you really believe, you're going to do something with it. Now look what he goes on. He says, the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was imputed. He's talking about Genesis 15, verse 6. To him for righteousness, the right standing with God. And he was called the friend of God. You see, see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. In other words, when you really have faith, you're going to say some things, but you're also going to do some things. But look at verse 25. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot. I love this one. Justified by works. When she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Hebrews 11, verse 31 says, By faith, the harlot Rahab. I just love it. But you know what? Faith will work for anybody, anywhere, no matter how you've been fettered. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He raised a few people from the dead. I think the man knew something about faith. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, verse 31 says, By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with those who believe not. Hallelujah, you don't have to perish with the people that don't believe. Your faith will cause you to rise up and do something different. Faith without correspondence. She not only said, she said, if I could but touch him, I will be healed. She came to Jesus. She pressed through the crowd. She touched him. She received her healing. Faith causes you to move towards God. Hallelujah. Don't move away, move towards him. Amen. Faith with corresponding action. She did something with it. John chapter 9, verse 7, there was a blind man. He, he was born blind. Jesus came, and when Jesus saw him, Jesus spit in dirt and made clay, and he put it on his eyes. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And it says, he went and washed, in verse 7, and came again seeing. Amen. He did something. In Mark chapter 3, there was a man who had a withered hand in the congregation. Jesus said he was teaching on the Sabbath day. In Mark 3, verse 3, stand forth. And in verse 6, he said, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched forth his hand. And it was made whole like the other one. Praise God. He acted on the word of God. You've got to act on the word of God. Praise the Lord. Luke 17, verse 14, there were 10 lepers and they came to Jesus. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, the law said, if you were a leper and you were healed, you go show yourself to the priest. So Jesus said, go act like you're healed. And as they went, they were healed. 
Hallelujah. Start moving towards, hallelujah, your destiny. Start acting like it's already done. Amen. So they did some things. Faith not only says some things, faith does some things. If you want to be blessed, you got to go to work. My dad's favorite scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If you don't work, you don't eat. I had a guy tell me years ago, how's that fit in with grace? I said, I don't know, but it's New Testament. If you want to be blessed, I'm old school, right? You got to go to work. We got a whole generation of people, a couple of generations. I talked to a lot of older people that are prosperous and blessed, and they say, we don't know how to motivate these young people how to work. But about 10 years ago, I taught a series on raising children. One of my good friends and mentors, David Hardesty, told me to do it. He said, ask your boys what you taught them. All three of my sons said the number one thing that I taught them, I asked them all to tell me 10 things that mom and I did that helped them. All of them, number one, you, you gave us a good work ethic. Aaron actually said, I think, he said, dad was kind of hard on us. But mom made up the difference. Well, if you want them to grow up and do well, you can't baby them. Now, I'm helping you right now. Some of you may not realize it, but I'm helping you. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's just one aspect. You got to do something. Say it, do it. The third thing was, is she received it? Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, verse 29, it says straightway or immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that was, she was healed of that plague. She received it. She said it. She did it. She received it. We need to receive from God. She felt that she was healed. You need, some people don't know how to receive. I've told some people, just receive it. Just receive from God. Just, just put yourself in a place to receive it. In Mark 5, verse 34, Jesus told her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. See, Matthew says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks is the door open. In the literal Greek, it says something like this. Ask and keep on asking. And receive and keep on receiving. Not, seek and find and keep on seeking and keep on finding. Knock and the door will be open and keep knocking and more doors will be open. Don't stop in your faith. When we were at the last location on Elkton Drive, 720 Elkton Drive. When we, when we finished the building project, I owed about $620,000 to the bank, which wasn't a lot. But I was believing to pay it off. And when I paid it off, I told Andrew Womack, I just paid the building off. And Andrew said, don't stop believing here. And about a month later, Jesse Duplantis came. And Jesse said, don't stop believing here. And I'm telling you, I haven't stopped believing 
I'm believing now more than I've ever believed for before. And I'm receiving more. So what he's saying is ask and receive and keep on asking. Don't quit. Seek and find and keep on seeking. Knock and the door will be open. And keep knocking. There's more doors. You got more places to go. You got more people to see. You got more things to do. Hallelujah. You got more places to preach. Hallelujah. We just took the greatest, you know, outreach that we've ever taken as a church. It cost me right now over $15,000 a week just to be on one station. Well, just about $15,000. It cost me more than it. Well, we're on five networks daily, or five, four of them five days a week, one of them three days a week. By the end of the year, it'll be nearly 18. I believe that we'll have enough increase within a year that we'll pay for that and not know the difference. I'm reaching out. I'm doing more than I've ever done before. I'm believing God for more than I ever have before. In fact, they told us about Lester Summerall that his ministry never really grew and never really exploded till he was about 60 years old. I'm going to turn 60 this year, and I'm doing more than I've ever done before, and I'm not slowing down. Hallelujah. I'm speeding up. Hallelujah. I'm believing God. Listen, if you're going to be like that, somebody I talked to this week said, that's a lot of money. The signal goes to 5.5 billion people. It, that's a great opportunity to preach the word to lots and lots of people. Hallelujah. It's a bargain when you think that the nearest one that's right next to that is just a little bigger. It goes to about six billion. That's the two largest Christian networks in the world. And that one costs over 20,000 a program. And I'm paying about 5,000 a program. It'll be 5,900 by the end of the year. It's a great deal. When you realize that it costs about $5,000 a program just to be on one of these local stations in town for a half hour, and we're preaching 5.5 billion, 5.5 billion people can potentially get the signal. That's amazing. It's a bargain. Hallelujah. I'm excited about what we're doing. How are they going to believe if they don't hear? How are they going to hear if somebody doesn't tell them? How are they going to be preaching if somebody doesn't? God doesn't send them. Glory to God. They said it. They did it. She received it. Luke 18, there was a blind man came to Jesus, verse 41 and 42. Jesus said, what do you want? He said that I might receive. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. If you study that word out, saved, made whole, healed. It's all the same Greek word. Hallelujah. Luke 7, verse 39. Jesus was talking about the spirit that those who believed on him should receive. John 20, verse 22, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. Acts chapter 3 and verse 5, there was a lame man that was carried to the temple gate and Peter and John went up there about the hour of the prayer, about 9 o'clock in the morning and 
and they looked at him. And he, he gave, he, he, he reached out for an alms. Peter had left his wallet at home and said, silver and gold have I none. If you study, you know the apostles had some money. But such as I have, give I to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And Peter and John took a hold of him. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. You got to receive. Acts chapter 26 verse 18 says, Paul said, I came to preach that people might receive the forgiveness of sins. Romans 5 17 says, we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Colossians 3 24 says, of the Lord you shall receive the reward of inheritance. Hebrews 9 verse 15 says, we receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Hebrews 10 verse 36 says this, you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. James 1 verse 12 says, blessed is he that endures temptation for he will receive the crown of life. James 1 21 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4 says, we'll receive a crown of glory. First, 2 John 1 verse 8 says, take heed that you receive the full reward. So what she do? Number one, she said it. Number two, she did it. Number three, she received it. And number four, she told it. If we go back to Mark chapter five and we look at this one more time. After she, Jesus, she touched him. Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned around and said, who touched my clothes? His disciple said, there's a great multitude thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her that this is amazing. Did you know what? This woman knew that she was healed before Jesus knew that she was healed. See, he was operating as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. The disciples said, the multitude is thronging you. Now, Jesus knew somebody got something. He felt the power of God. He felt the goodness of God flow out of him. Do you know the touch of faith? is? There was a multitude thronging him. But the touch of faith is different. The touch of faith will, will set you apart. And when he saw her that done this thing, she came fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, and fell down at his feet and told him all the truth. She told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. You know, you got to tell somebody. We had this song when I was a kid. Gotta tell somebody, gotta tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Gotta tell somebody, gotta tell somebody how Jesus set me free. You need to tell, keep telling people. I'm always telling people about what God's done for me. I'm always telling people about how Jesus saved me. Jesus healed me. Jesus blessed me. Jesus filled me. Jesus freed me. Jesus helped me. You got to keep telling people. Keep telling people about Jesus. Keep telling people Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Keep telling people what he's doing. Amen. Never quit telling people the good news of the gospel. Never Never quit sharing your testimony. Your testimony. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. Amen? So keep telling people, hey, God's a good God. Jesus loved you. He already paid for your healing. He already paid for your peace. He already paid for your forgiveness. He already paid, amen, for your blessing.
Amen. Keep telling people the good news about Jesus and keep sharing your testimony. Somebody needs to hear it. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.